Hi, and welcome back to Foreign Office. I'm Michael Weiss, Director of Special Investigations at the Free Russia Foundation, as well as new News Director at New Lines Magazine. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Evgenia Karamarza. She is the wife of Vladimir Karamarza, who uh, has just been arrested in Moscow. Uh, those of you who are longtime listeners to the show will know that uh, Vladimir was one of the first guests we had on to describe his double poisoning in Russia and his attempts, so far mostly in vain, to get uh, some clarity as to what the substance was that was used against him in, in both of those cases. Uh, the FBI has apparently got the chemical analysis uh, that was shared with them, but there has been very slow moving progress on transparency on this front. And uh, Evgenia, first of all, um, thank you for being on with us. Uh, you're a dear friend of myself and the organization, as is your husband, of course. And uh, I just want to ask you, um, can you can you sort of give us this situation? What happened? Um, he, he obviously he, he returns to, to Russia very regularly. He's been very stalwart in his commitment to uh, do the kind of opposition activities and civil society work that he does from within Russian Federation territory, in spite of the fact that his life has been put in mortal danger on more than one occasion. Um, what happened this time around? Well, thank you very much for having me here, Michael. It's mm. important to uh, speak about it, and uh, I am very grateful for this opportunity to speak out in support of my husband. Um, well, he was detained yesterday in Moscow uh, near his apartment, um, and he was taken to Ovedehamovniki, where he was kept overnight, and today uh, a trial took place, and uh, the trial lasted for, I don't know, like, half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, that's how long trials last nowadays. In Russia, all um, uh, his, um, his and his lawyers requests uh, to, for example, question the police officers who had, been, who had detained him uh, were denied. Uh, and uh, the judge uh, pronounced the verdict. So he got uh, sentenced to 15 days in jail. Days in jail. Uh, for um, disobeying an order of a police officer, mm. which is absolutely ridiculous because as a peaceful uh, Russian opposition activist, Vladimir knows exactly how to behave while being arrested, while being detained. He knows what he can and cannot do because he would not want to give them grounds uh, for accusing him of any of breaking any law or any regulation. And um, um, I had a chance to talk to him myself, and um, and then I also listened to his uh, court speech, mm. in which he said that, uh, well, the, the written report, the written police report in support of this charge, is magnificently absurd. It said, uh, among other things, that Vladimir. Um, uh, changed the trajectory of his movement, quickened his pace, and tried to evade the police. While in fact, none of this could have happened because he had just drove up to his apartment building in Moscow and he parked his car and he was sitting in the car when he noticed five police officers running toward the vehicle. Mm. They surrounded the vehicle and they asked him to get out of it. He asked uh, to show uh, him some form of documents. They refused to show anything and uh, they put him into this police van and um, uh, took him to Ovede Hamovniki um, at the uh, police department in Moscow uh, where he spent the night. 
his lawyer was denied access to him until the next morning, right before court. Mm. And um, uh, but he was uh, with him in court during the session. And I mean, look, it, it's very clear that he has not been detained for any kind of uh, infraction against uh, police attempt to question him or, or detain him. Absolutely. I mean, he gave a, a, an anti-war speech or interview just yesterday, did he not, on, on a television channel. Mm, yes. He's been outspoken in his criticism and condemnation of the Putin regime going back many, many years. Um, can I just ask, I mean, I know this is a difficult subject at, at the moment, but I mean, are you not more worried now? Um, clearly, he's been harassed. He's been surveilled all the time since he's been going back to Russia. They've targeted him twice. Bellingcat has done a very deep dive investigation sh- suggesting that the same FSB team uh, that had followed him also followed Alexei Navalny in advance of his Novichok poisoning and also uh, Boris Nemtsov, uh, former deputy prime minister, a good friend of Vladimir before his uh, gruesome murder right in front of the Kremlin. I mean, what what are you trying to do now to ensure Vladimir's safety? And, and is the U.S. government in any way uh, intervening on his behalf, on your behalf? Uh, well, we um, we believe that publicity is our only defense, mm-hmm. especially under Putin's regime, when we definitely have no um, no law left in the country, uh, no uh, independent courts, nothing, uh, no independent media. Nothing. It's it's just a desert, you know, a desert, a, a big desert. There is nothing left. Um, so publicity is our only defense, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring as much attention to what's been happening as we can. Hmm. Um, and uh, as to your question, uh, that I'm more worried now than I was before. Well, well, honestly. I spoke to him today and he sounded good. I mean, considering the circumstances, um, he was making jokes and he was telling me that everything would be fine. This is definitely better than seeing him in intensive care unit in a coma covered in tubes surrounded by machines that breathe for him and make his heart work and all of that. He is alive and well, and that's, that's, what's most important to me and i will continue to um to scream as loud as i can until i get him out of that prison and until he's set free and can come home and hug his children um and i I, we've been receiving an enormous amount of support from everywhere including uh the u.s government and uh U.S. Congress and uh, so many people just speak out in his support, and I believe that Vladimir has touched so many hearts uh, through these through these years by his honest work, by his principled stand, and by his refusal to to give up and to be intimidated uh, despite those enormous risks uh, to his life and safety. And I believe that. Um, it helps him uh, knowing that people there are people out there who um, who support him deeply and who know that he's fighting the right fight, the good cause. 
So a lot of people in the West, you know, have a hard time understanding. They certainly had a hard time understanding why uh, Navalny got on that plane from Berlin to go back to Russia, knowing he had just survived an assassination attempt and knowing that he was awaiting almost certain arrest, which indeed happened. And now he's been sentenced to multiple uh, counts of trumped up charges for violating parole and so on, and is, is essentially living in a modern day gulag. They have a hard time understanding, listening to this, why somebody in Vladimir's position is a, New- a Washington Post columnist, an outspoken uh, leader of the Russian opposition, as I said, uh, not shy in his opinions about the, the, the nature of this regime and its rampant criminality, an advocate for U.S. sanctions on Russia, which, of course, really trigger the Kremlin in a way that uh, other things perhaps do not. They would have a hard time understanding why somebody in his position would want to go back to Russia to do his work when he could, I don't know, post up in Vilnius or, uh, well, not Ukraine any longer, unfortunately, but, you know, another port of call um, where he would be in, I suppose, relative safety, even though not absolute safety, given that the Kremlin's arm is quite long and it seems to be able to reach anybody around the world. Can you explain what it is that motivates him to want to operate with inside the Russian Federation territory as opposed to outside of it? Um, well, the answer is simple. Russia is his country. That's his home. Hmm. And why he, a Russian citizen, should be denied access to his country, to his home. That is unthinkable. And uh, any other safe port would not be enough for him. Because he has, as a politician, he believes that he has to be on the out front of that fight against the regime. He believes that he needs to be where people are actually fighting against Putin. Mm. He cannot just hide out somewhere in the West and um, call on people to continue their fight from a safe distance. You know, that, that would not be Vladimir. Right. Definitely not, would not be Vladimir. And I mean, uh, his two, um, uh, the, the two attempts on his life prove that. They, uh, in 2015, after about half a year of learning how to walk and hold a spoon again, he took his cane, his stick, and he walked back to Russia. Uh, that, that's what he does because he deeply believes that this is the fight that he needs to fight as an honest person, as someone who cares deeply for his country, as a true patriot who needs to be where people are suffering. Mm. And uh, um, since 2010, he has been advocating for personal sanctions against murderers and thieves in the Putin regime. He started this work with uh, Boris Nemtsov, who was killed in 2015, And he continued this work despite his two poisonings. And he went back to Russia and he spoke to Russian media and he spoke to Russian people and he traveled across Russia to bring attention to this um, project of his, uh, the sanctions, personal sanctions. And um, now, well, now we have a uh, a full-fledged war in the middle of Europe in the 21st century and people are dying by thousands. Kids are dying. Uh, more than four million Ukrainians had to leave the country. It's mm-hmm. it's unthinkable, and mm. it would also be unthinkable to to <laughs> to imagine that Vladimir would be would would keep quiet, would keep silent about this. Now he would be one of the first ones to go out in the street and scream about it, trying to bring attention to the atrocities of the, the regime. 
Yeah. But I mean, it, in, in the last month and a half, we have seen Russia go from being a quite brutal authoritarian state into what I would argue has become a, a sort of neo-totalitarian one, right? I mean, and this happened very quickly within the space of almost 72 hours. Laws against speaking out uh, about the war, uh, trafficking in what the Kremlin would characterize as fake news, which is to say the truth about what's taking place in Ukraine. This has become a much more forbidding environment than it even was when he was poisoned those, those two times while traveling through Russia. Um, I mean, will it reach a point, do you think, or do you think he will take the decision at some point that this country has become too much of a kind of uh, dangerous place for people such as himself to, to be effective in what he wants to do, right? I mean, he has, he has a very loud, prominent voice, uh, which reaches a lot of people. And, you know, we want to continue to hear from him. We don't want that voice to continue to be projected, not just within Russia, but uh, across the world. Um, I mean, one of the things that scared me is that I found out he was allowed back into the country. You know, in the old days, somebody of his sort of prominence would be exiled. So Shanitsyn kicked out, you know, just don't come back and make a fuss in the West again, because it, 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 to, to the Russian people, to be a foreigner, to be an exile mm -hmm. is to have less currency, to have less uh, prestige or, or the ability to persuade. And, and that's clearly one of the reasons why I think he wants to be in Russia, because he needs to show that I am here, as you say, this is my country, I'm not going anywhere. But at some point, will he not have to go somewhere? You see what I mean? I mean, if it really does become a life or death issue, is, is, is he somebody who wants to, or would be willing to die in Russia for the cause that he so passionate, passionately believes in? You know what? Um, hmm. Since the beginning of the war, uh, more than 15,000 people in Russia were detained, arrested. Mm. And many criminal cases have been initiated against people protesting against this war, despite those new laws on speaking out against the war, on disseminating fake information about the war, and so on and so forth. 15,000 people went out in the streets, despite all that, mm. and got arrested. How is it more dangerous for him than it is for them? I think that he believes that he has to be one, not one of these people to get arrested, but one of these people to speak out. Hmm. And uh, um, I don't know if he will decide to, uh, to not. Now, I, I can't imagine the situation where he will tell me, you know what, that's it, I'm not going back. If he's more useful somewhere else and his work, uh, he travels the world, he lives on the plane. He's rarely here at home with us. I see him and the kids see him like maybe a week every month. And mm. even when he's here, he's not really here. He's right. somewhere. He's geographically here, but he's somewhere in these meetings, meeting people, uh, talking at events, uh, talking to the media. Um, and the rest of the time, he just leaves on the plane. So he travels from one place to another, to another, trying to speak out and be heard and uh, bring it all out in the open. Um, so uh, if there are more, there's more, um, there, there are more things for him to do somewhere else, he might not go back for a little while, but I cannot really imagine the situation yeah. where he will tell me that's it, I'm done, because he will never be done until Putin is sitting in the Kremlin, until until he's removed from the Kremlin. Vladimir will never be done. Mm. 
And I wanted to ask you, since the, the original reason we had Vladimir on the show uh, when we first launched this podcast was to talk about the investigation into those double poisonings. Has there been any movement on that front? Has, has the FBI or the U.S. Department of Justice given you any more data or information in terms of the forensic testing that was done on his blood and plasma samples uh, to determine what kind of substance was used? I mean, you know, to my mind, looking at the investigative work that Christo Groza at Bellingcat has done, showing the same group of FSB officers who had shadowed Vladimir, also shadowed Nemtsov, also shadowed, Naval- shadowed Navalny, you, you, one thinks now a Russian opposition figure or, or any kind of enemy of the Kremlin who gets poisoned, it's probably some variety of the Novichok family, something like that. And he certainly, some of the symptoms seem to be consistent with what we saw in the Skripal case and the Navalny case. Has there been any greater insight or any any detail that you can share with us about that? Or is it still? Um, no, I believe Vladimir already talked to you about everything we got from the FBI, and that was mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And uh, I believe that we will not get more because uh, a lot of that information has been, you know, classified. Right. And even uh, what we got from them, many things were just marred out. Mm-hmm. What is the strychnine? Yeah. Yes, blacked out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But, so certain things we could only guess at what could have been written there. Right. Um, and, uh, oh, well, yes, we are uh, deeply grateful for that investigation that Bellingcat and the Insider conducted. And uh, it answered many questions for us. And we knew, uh, what were we now exactly who? Uh, maybe not how, not with what, but exactly who did it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, uh, so that that answered a lot of questions and in my mind there has never been a doubt even yeah. in 2015 when I got the call from Moscow saying that Vladimir was not feeling well and was taken to the hospital it already sounded not right to me he's a healthy young man mm. he has no underlying medical conditions he is uh he has no vices that can, you know, undermine his health. So he's he's a healthy young man. Yeah. And imagine something like that happening to, to a healthy young man. Well, there should be a reason for that. And, uh, well, yes, um, obviously some kind of chemical weapon was used. Maybe it was Novichok uh, because um, Alexei um, had many similar symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was something else, uh, but something that was very difficult to trace and mm. that uh, probably disappeared from his blood uh, very quickly. Yeah. And because tests were not done when they should have been done, and the, the, the other tests were done, but information has been classified, well, what more can we find out about this? I'm afraid that's it. This is a question I don't know if you can answer, but I want to ask it anyway. I mean, one of the things that Vladimir has been outspoken about for a very long time since I've known him is that um, we really don't have a proper understanding of what the Russian people or the Russian electorate thinks and wants, because even the best independent polls, you know, people are hedging their bets. They are guarding themselves from giving very honest and transparent answers, given the state of the government and what it does to those who speak out against the regime. 
Right now, um, the picture that is emerging, at least to most Westerners, is that the Russian people stand behind Putin in this war. You know, something like 80% support the campaign in Ukraine, which in spite of all of the evidence of atrocities, you know, summary executions, mass graves, rape, you name it, these things have been committed by Russian forces. There's still a kind of rally around the flag mentality. And I, you know, I kind of wish he was here too with you to try and answer this question, but how credible is that data? How, 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 how much should we put stock in the fact that the ordinary Russian really supports this, this war of conquest, if not one of annihilation, frankly, of, of Ukraine? Or is that just, you know, sort of the Kremlin creating kind of internal picture that, as, as we know, they're, they're want to do really belies the reality, the underlying reality? Well, the Kremlin is definitely uh, creating a very warped reality for the Mm -hmm. Russian society. And I do not believe that um, people should trust those polls, the results of those polls, because first of all, those polls are um, mainly state uh, government polls. Mm -hmm. Um, And secondly, well, imagine a totalitarian society in which there are no independent media, no access to independent media. Now, I mean, yes, of course, with VPN, uh, many, um, the younger generation can get access to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but the older generation cannot use the VPN. They don't know how. Right. They have no idea how this works. They don't, ha- they have no idea where to get this VPN and what it even is. Um, the last independent media outlet in Russia was closed at the beginning of the war. That was uh, uh, radio, radio um, echo of Moscow radio. Mm-hmm. And the TV station Dosh, that was only, um, that you could only watch online. Uh, so that, that's it. There is nothing left. Right. So where would people get independent information? Where would people get, um, how could people differentiate between fake news and uh independent true news right uh so in that um regard vladimir has been recently talking a lot about um helping the russian society uh to get um uh independent information on the war independent facts on the war and uh uh Yes, helping in any way, uh, like in the Soviet times. Well, it was much more difficult to do in the Soviet times when people had to print out little sheets of paper, you know, uh, sheets of paper and uh, pass this information to each other somewhere in the night. Uh, nowadays, there are ways to help a big society like Russian society uh, get access to more independent information. There are ways to help them. And uh, Vladimir has been advocating for that recently. Yeah. Well, look, uh, Evgeny, I know you've got a, a quite a lot of other um, interviews to do, and you made an exception to make time for us. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And um, please keep us informed about this situation and, and Vladimir's well-being and his condition. I'm glad that he's been able to phone you from prison uh, and keep you in the loop of, of everything. And of course, you know, he's a dear friend and you know, he, uh, he remains in our thoughts and, you know, we hope he's, he's out and home soon. 
Thank you very much for talking with me. Um, and uh, I really appreciate this opportunity to speak out. And okay. uh, yeah, and Vladimir says hi. <laughs> okay, well, I hope to have him on the show when he's uh, when he's out of prison and back in the relative safety and security of the eastern seaboard of the United States. Um, so you will. Yeah, okay. Well, you've been listening to Foreign Office. I'm Michael Weiss. My guest is uh, Evgenia Karamurza, wife of uh, imprisoned dissident and Russian opposition figure, Vladimir Karamurza. Thank you very much.